Bees make honey. These killer bees make great sports insights. But they also make honey. Don't ask about the process. From the Veritex Community Bank Studios, it's Joel and Jeremy. Uh, who do the 23 Texans remind you of? can be any sport, 713-780-ESPN. Todd, the show, and the Twitch, who, who's a Giants fan, he says the 2022 New York football Giants. Uh, Todd, just leave the chat room and, and don't come back. Uh, Daniel Jones is not C.J. Stroud. Um, except, like, the, there's no comparisons there. You're just trolling. Uh, to me, the comparison is are, are the Astros. Uh, I think that you can look back at the 2015 Astros and see a lot of comparisons with the 2023 Texans. I think both teams are a little bit ahead of schedule. Like, the, the 15 Astros weren't supposed to be a playoff team in 15. Uh, they were predicted to win the World Series in 17. Same thing with the 23 Texans. Like, the, only very, very few predicted the Texans to be a postseason team. On the right track, trending in the right direction, all of those things, sure. But to be in the divisional round, no, no. So the 23 Texans, 15 Astros, both ahead of schedule. Also... They they each had lousy years leading into the season. You look back at the uh, 15 Astros, where they had 92 losses in 2014. They had 111 losses in 2013, and they had a couple other 100-loss seasons prior to that. The Houston Texans had won 11 games in the previous th- three years before 2023. So another comparison. Youth on both of the rosters. You go back and look at the 15 Astros, Carlos Correa was a rookie. Lance McCullers was a rookie. Jose Altuve was only 25 years old. George Springer was only 25 years old. What are, what are the Texans built on? Youth with C.J. Stroud, with Will Anderson, uh, with Christian Harris, Jalen Petrie, Derek Stingley, a very young core that you're feeding off of and winning games with. Both teams beat a team in the playoffs. No one expected you to beat. Remember the Astros, wild card, one game. They beat the Yankees at Yankee Stadium. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, the Houston Texans beat a Browns team who was favored to win. Also... The, the Astros went five games in the division series against the eventual World Series champions. You're probably a Tony Sip, Carlos Correa screw-up. I think it's Sip touched the ball and a ground ball up the middle that could have been a double play, would have got you out of a critical inning. You could have easily won that division series. Instead, you lost it in five to Kansas City. Many people think Baltimore might be the betting favorite to win the Super Bowl. So I think up and down, you look at the 23 Texans, you look at the 15 Astros, and you see a lot of similarities, at least from my point of view. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, and it's a good one. I, didn't, I don't know that I'm going to be able to make that kind of a comparison, but I think that when you start thinking about, well, Cincinnati, because you had a quarterback and because they went on a run, or the, 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 you know, a Detroit team that looks like they're finally putting it together, maybe not the quarterback comparison, but the fact that there's young talent. They built through young talent talent, draft picks, and otherwise. The one that comes to my mind, Jeremy, is the fact that it's the it's the first run of the Kansas City Chiefs. It wasn't Mahomes' rookie year, but if you remember, he sat for a year, and he sat behind Alex Smith, and then he took over. But to me, it was because of the fact that Mahomes was drafted later than some of the other guys that were on the quarterback list in that draft. And, and a lot of people had a lot of doubts coming out of Texas Tech. I know that you know, you heard, oh, Bill O'Brien liked him, and other people liked him. But did they really like him or, or see what we see in him now? And then all of a sudden, it's kind of like he let the world on fire, and you had a young Tyree Kill that was added to that mix, and McCole Hardman, and younger guys that they were putting into the mix as well, to where you saw that, once you saw the true Mahomes on display, you were like, oh, bleep. This could be a long run. And I'm not saying they're going to have the same kind of Super Bowl success, but when it starts with the quarterback comparison, CJ came out. He wasn't the number one rated quarterback in a lot of people's minds. 
CJ came out, and everybody's like, he's got to prove this, he's got to prove that. Now that he's proven himself, and it's all on display, and people are seeing it, and you think about Tank, and you think about Nico, and you think about, you know, all the Will Anderson and the guys, the young guys that are coming with it too, it's easy to say this is the makings of a team that can go on quite a run of success. Yeah, interesting too. The Chiefs, you know, they didn't even play Mahomes' rookie year. Like right, you said, I said, yeah, Alex Smith. behind Alex Smith, whereas Stroud's kind of put it on display. Year one, the the one comparison that I mean, I don't want to bring up the twenty three Texans and the fifteen Astros. We kind of forget that the sixteen Astros missed the playoffs. Like they, we forget that the sixteen Astros missed the playoffs. Whenever now they had the expectations of winning the division, they had the expectations of getting back there. They didn't, but then they responded by winning the World Series in seventeen. So. And we know that the Texans next year have to play a first-place schedule. Like, we've seen the schedule. It looks very difficult. Mm -hmm. Would you take a Texans missing the playoffs in 24 if it meant winning a Super Bowl in 25? Oh, yeah. I think everybody would. It's a no-brainer. It's a no-brainer. What's your comp here, Joe George? All right, I'm going to go back to 2007. There was uh, this this, uh, basketball team that had a below 500 record. They took a rookie with the number one pick. That next year, that rookie won Rookie of the Year. Took the Boston Celtics to seven games in the first round of the playoffs. I'm going Derrick Rose, Chicago Bulls, uh-huh. C.J. Stroud. I think, like, now obviously, thoughts and prayers to C.J.'s knees that they don't end up like Derrick's. But, like, when Derrick in, in that Bulls team played against the Celtics, there was a, a belief that Derrick would eventually win the MVP like he did, that this team was going to be very, very good. They were the number one seed, I think, the following year after that, so that's the one I went with. You know the one I, what always makes me think about w- with that, though, Joe, was because it was the Celtics and because everybody it was an eye-opener, everybody immediately started comparing Derrick Rose to Michael when Michael went off against the Celtics that year, and it's like, okay, let's slow our roll a little bit. I don't think there's ever going to be another one like MJ, but Derrick Rose put his name on the map real quick. So I think from that perspective, absolutely, Derrick Rose then became an MVP. So it's, it's a good one. I think, no, I think Joe's is the worst one. What, what? do you mean it's a good one? It's the worst one. Why? Because, because it's the worst result. Well, yeah. It's the worst result. Give me give me 15 Astros because that means you're going to win a couple of titles. Uh, give me Blankers Chiefs. Like, you have, like, a little mini dynasty going. Give me the Bulls. They never even made the title. They that's never not, made the well, finals that's, that's with Rose. Not, but that's not the question. The question was the current team. No, I understand. Like, the comparison can be fine. Well, I no, think it's the not, comparison's it's not just fine the because you've got It's a current tr- team because it's, like, the building of something coming up. Well, I preface mine by saying I don't think that I'm not going to put it on the Texans that they got to, they're going to win as many Super Bowls as the Chiefs. Sure. But I think that look, they're going to have a long success of winning. I think that Derrick Rose was a guy that came onto onto the scene sure. and people had questions, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh, he is the unequivocal leader, and he has a boatload of talent. He's going to be heard from for a while. No, the, the, I get that. But I'm talking about like, the end result. You don't like the I, I would end not, result. No, I would not be happy with a Derrick Rose end result. No, wouldn't, that of course be a fel- not. wouldn't that feel bad? Wouldn't that oh, be for wouldn't sure. that, that would be, be a disappointment? disappointment. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be a C- failure. CJ Stroud would win the MVP next year and then his knees would break. Yeah, That's not and then, good. And then the and the team would be a disaster. Yeah, and so they, would start, them? they would they would be booing mm, let's see. They would be booing let's I don't know, like a former general manager that's died. They're gonna bring Charlie Casserly's wife to honor her before a game and they're gonna boo that her. They're or gonna Rick boo Smith. her. They're gonna boo her. Well Rick Smith's wife is Well not dead, wife. I'm not so. saying they're gonna boo the wife. <laughs> I'm just saying they would boo Rick Smith. He could be there. <laughs> I shouldn't be laughing at that. I, but yeah, saying, I know like, I know the but, end result's bad, but I was thinking about yeah. the current product. No, I don't like Joe's. I don't like Joe's. 
I don't. I just don't like the way that that one ends because it means it means that Stroud's gonna. He's never gonna. You know, quite reach the potential that we all expect him to reach with team success. I was thinking immediate. No, I get it. I think it's a good comp. I just don't like the result. My res- I'm living by my resolution. So I'm, I'm not what's your gonna, resolution? I'm not going to be Mr. Meanie to to Joe every day anymore. Well, that's so. boring. I don't know why you feel like that's the case, but you've told me that. No, it's not. You've told me every day. You said every day. No, you it's do not. That to me. Okay, fine. Well, I made I the never resolution. Said stop I'm that. With. I never said stop. Giving you didn't me a say hard stop time. it, but you said I do it every day. Because well, you do. So then I stopped doing right? it. It doesn't why bother would... me. <laughs> okay, obviously. It bothers me that we had an off-the-air conversation that you continue to bring up on the air. No, you said it on the air. You said multiple times on the air that I I, bother, I, I picked on you every day. You guys give me a hard time. That's all I said. Okay, well, I changed it. I, mean, I like, pick I'm, on you both all the time. Yes, you I don't do. Care. You absolutely <laughs> do. Like, I, I don't care. It's fine. Sometimes I do, but I get over it. Joe, I'm never going to stop picking Please on you. Please don't ever stop. Blankers, I'm never going to stop picking I on you. I understand that. <laughs> that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> I don't think you should stop picking on Joe. You're, that's, it's restriction. In it. You're cheating our listeners, or what you're doing. Okay. You're cheating our listeners. Uh, Chris and Umble says, Derek Rose, three question marks. That's the worst comp to jinx him. Get out of here with that. Uh, your your comp's not taking a. Uh, <laughs> not, How it's long not a was the run of Derrick Rose though? He had the. I mean, look, he had the MVP. He was a multiple multiple time All Star. He got his own shoe from Adidas and the the big time uh, marketing deals. He was all over commercials too. That overall run by D Rose was pretty long, wasn't it? Right, but what was the furthest they got? I understand they didn't win it, but I yeah, mean, sometimes you got to understand the competition title, too. I think so. Yeah, one conference title. I don't want that. Okay. I want two. I want two championships. But we just got done saying what a gauntlet the AFC is. Sure, but I mean, we're, this is our chance to dream. This is our chance to talk high. Like, I mean, you know, talking about the fifteen Astros means that you're going to go on this little mini dynastic run. Same thing with Kansas City. We're getting stuck to you know playoff purgatory. Being Derrick Rose, who was the biggest competition for the Bulls then that they couldn't get over the hump? Austin, probably Boston, right? Okay. And they only went to one conference finals. The rest was. After that conference finals, they went first round exit, conference semifinal exit, first round exit, conference semifinal exit. That sounds like the uh, that sounds like the Bill O'Brien Texans. Okay, yeah, I think I think Chicagoans would still say they had a fun run, knowing that D Rose was going to take them to the playoffs every would year. Would Houston sign up for that? No, because they've lived, already go. lived it. They've already lived it. <laughs> yeah, and then and then since since Rose has been gone, it's been disastrous. That's right? when you start talking about. We're AFC champs, Brian, or AFC South champs, Brian, and hanging banners for divisions. This guy says the 92 Oilers. 92 who? The 92 Oilers. He's obviously trolling because that's oh. the year they lost to the Bills. But that's that's Tennessee's thing. That's the Titans thing. That that history belongs to Tennessee. It does not belong to Houston. And it's also a terrible comparison because the Oilers had made the playoffs. That was the sixth year in a row that they made the playoffs. This is the first year of the last four. So I, I appreciate the troll. But it's not a good troll. Also, that stuff belongs to Tennessee. And also, John McClain couldn't stop twe- tweeting about that on Saturday. Yeah, sure, that's he right. He was bringing exactly up the right. Buffalo Bills every chance he got. He really I did. Mean, he, and he caught pathetic. the ire of a boatload of people, too, that were just like, are you serious? And there's more than one? And he kept doing it. And it was just like, what are you trying to do, McClain? 713-780-ESPN. What's the comp? To the 2023 Texans. Don't come at me with Derrick Rose stuff. 713-780-3776. It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.
Broadcasting live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios, deep inside the secret bee cave, it's Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. He's Blank, I'm Branham. Who do the uh, 2023 Texans remind you of? Can be can be a cross-sport reference, like these geniuses on the text line right now. Uh, 9780, my comp for the 23 Texans is the 15 Astros. What a guy. You're so smart. That is a great one. Uh, 0703, 2015 Astros. Just when I thought it couldn't get any better. Just when I thought there weren't any more geniuses out there. Absolutely right. Uh, here is a, here's 8143. 1980 San Francisco 49ers, new quarterback and head coach, and it started a dynasty. Now, uh, Bill Walsh was in his second season, but I get where you're going here. Uh, Montana, you know, I think he was actually drafted. Was that the Dwight Clark catch? I think that was 81, actually, because 1980, they didn't make the playoffs. Okay. But they had Montana in-house because Montana won the Super Bowl his first year. It looks like as a starter, but he, he was in his second year. He wasn't a rookie. Now, if they're the 49ers... Like, that would be something. Because you won a Super Bowl in 81, you won a Super Bowl in 84, then you went back-to-back in 88-89, you won another one in 94, and then you had runs all throughout the way as well. Never lost a Super Bowl, which is kind of shocking, right? Like, they won all these Super Bowls, never got to a yep. Super Bowl and lost it. That's pretty impressive. They were 5-0 and in Super Bowls. Uh, but, yeah, if, if D'Amico is Bill Walsh and C.J. Stroud is, uh, is Joe Montana slash Steve Young on that last one, that would be neat. That would be really cool. Yeah, and Tank Dell becomes Jerry Rice. <laughs> Maybe Nico becomes. How about Jerry that? Rice. That would be. Fair. I don't care if one of them becomes Jerry Rice. Who was the? Was it Taylor? Who was the second John receiver? John Taylor. Yep. It was just like a burner, right? Like he yep. would kill people on those deep routes. Five four nine three says the twenty three Texas Rangers. I hope that's not the well. I hope it's the case short term because you win a title, but I hope it's not the case long term because they're going to fall on their face and never be any good again. Yeah, they're starting off a little bit behind next year too with injuries. So we'll see. Uh, 1403 says the 06 Saints. You had your first year, Sean Payton, first year, Breeze. You drafted Bush and Colston. I remember when Colston was listed as a tight end in fantasy football. It was like a cheat code. I would take Saints, though, just off the top of my head. And, again, you win one, so that's great. And you had some some really good years and some really good teams. The one that I asked Joe in the break, if anybody will mention, was the Patriots because you would say the Brady-run Patriots, like – you have the ex-quarterbacks, like Watson becomes Drew Bledsoe. And then all of a sudden, CJ takes over and is the next quarterback. Like, Brady takes over for for Bledsoe. And then all of a sudden, you just go on a run. And again, I don't know that they're going to put Dynasty up on it and do all those kind of things. But when you start talking about the young Gronks and some of the young, the young players they pieced in with veterans and then more veterans wanted to play for them, I, I was curious if anybody would bring that up. Yeah, uh, I mean, if you're bringing up the, the 49ers in the 80s, why not Might just as well, bring right? up the Patriots, too? How many Super Bowls do you need out of Stroud? Like, now, let's, since we're having a silly conversation, let's get really silly. Like, how many do you need from Stroud? If we're having, like, this chat, he's going to be one of the best, all of this, how many do you need from his career? In terms of, like, all-time greatness or just to, like... I mean, titles. I'm saying, but do you need this to solidify his greatness, like in the history of the league? How many titles do you need from Stroud? Like you think we we think Stroud's good? How many titles do you feel good with? Being a Texan, I would feel great if there were. I would feel good if there were two. I'd feel great if there were three. Like if you just got one, is that good enough? Like because I think everybody's super bullish on CJ Stroud. Yes, of course it's good enough because this is super bullish football crazy Texas and Houston, and they've never had a football Super Bowl champion in this city. Yes, one is good enough, and everybody would be ecstatic. But when you start talking about like in order to solidify your place in Canton and do all these things, now it's a two Super Bowl. Two Super Bowls are like 
when you're there's a no doubt about it. And so two plus anything two plus, and then you're talking about greats of all time. I think it depends on when you get them. Like if he were to get one next year, and then you said one, I think it would feel like you left meat on the bone. But if you get it like in his eighth year, I think it's oh okay great. Like he, he he's the one. He's the one that pushes over the top. Blah 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 blah. Um, yeah, I'm curious about that. Because like you said, though, I think almost everybody leaves meat on the bone, right? I, I think that when you talk, I, I think Brady did. I think I think I lived through two guys that did. Favre did the year the year after they won the first one. They took they said nine times out of ten they'd have beaten the Broncos. Well, it was the tenth time they didn't do it. If you look at how many times, See, Bron- I disagree with I disagree with Favre. I think he was completely overrated. So I think one for him was about right. I, I don't, and obviously I, I there's a little bit more than just my head in that one. But I I saw him play enough that I thought they had a couple of teams like the year that they lost to Dallas in the NFC Championship game when they had Reggie White and Favre. That was a team capable of winning another one. When Rodgers lost all those NFC Championship games, I felt like there was meat left on the bone. When you Montana, that's an unbelievable stat. Like Brady is good, as great as they were, and he's the greatest of all time. The fact that they left a they left a couple short is a, is kind of crazy when you think about the fact that what Montana was six for six. Uh, how many Montana did they win? Won, I think Montana won Three? five. Right, oh. Montana won four. Okay, four. And then Steve Young won the final one. Oh, that's right. Fifth. Okay. So I, I don't think Montana left any on the bone. I don't think Brady left any on the bone. I don't think Trent Dilfer left any but on the bone. You don't bone. think the, that Brady didn't leave the one on the bone, that they should have beat the Giants? Not really, because what was their record in Super Bowls? They, they, were the, uh, they were undefeated in that game. They were, they were steamrolling sure, the league. Yeah, sure. And then well, you, you take a helmet catch. No, I know. Right, six but, out, but you're also it? down 28-3 to three against Atlanta. Like, you shouldn't have won that one. Tom Brady was seven and three in Super Bowls. Like that's a seventy percent winning percentage in Super Bowls. Like that's insane. Like that's like that to me is not meat on the bone. Like I don't think Eli Manning left meat on the bone. He he got everything out of his talent. Like winning two. Right. So I bet you there's more that didn't because like all of these scrub quarterbacks that like won a Super Bowl too. Like I mentioned Trent Dilfer. Like Trent Dilfer shouldn't have any. Brad Johnson. He got one. Joe Flacco. Yeah, you don't see. Yeah. Yeah, Flacco didn't leave any on the bone. I would say Flacco, nope. one for Flacco, was was good. Seven one three seven eight zero ESPN seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. This one says OKC's Paul Harden and Westbrook. Yeah, I, I was think trying to figure means, that out. I think he means Durant. Yeah, it had to be KD. Uh, I would. Yeah, he's got to mean. He's got to mean the original Oklahoma City because I, that I had uh, Serge Ibaka too. That was a loaded Perkins. team. Yeah, and Perk. Right. That was a loaded, loaded team that looked like it was going to go on a run for quite a while. I, do, I wish we would have seen that play out with their big three. Like, I wonder what that would have looked like if they didn't break up those big three. Like, maybe you have to trade a Baca. Maybe you can't pay Perkins. You would have to. If you're a Rockets but fan, you keep those three. I would be interested how they answered that because they never won one, but they don't have a run without James Harden in that trade. Yeah, I think that you would. I think that in revisionist history, you're okay with it. I think in revisionist history, you keep Harden and you move a Baca. Well, for the OKC, I yes, was I, for, OKC. for sure, for yes. no doubt. Like, yeah, you move Ibaka, you move uh, Perkins, you keep those three together. But from a Rockets' point of view, I don't think that you take back the Harden trade. You love like, it. You got Harden pretty like cheap. Like, go look back at that trade. You oh, didn't really fantastic. trade anything for Harden. Yeah. He won an MVP. He got you to the conference finals. Like, he went pretty far. He made you relevant and, again. Yeah, and you were like a you were a team that was stuck in you know you were like the eight seed. You're going forty one and forty one every year. So. Yeah, I don't think you can take back the Harden trade if you're in Houston. And this is coming from a Harden hater. I'm not a Harden guy. And I'm not I either. I take back the trade.
though I'm with you because you were thinking about think about when you really want to just kind of entertain how good the Harden run was, even if you're a Harden hater. Think about the 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 trade that the commissioner vetoed and what kind of hell you would have been in. And, and not only would you not have the run with Harden of at least a, a one player that was winning MVP, scoring fifty a night, and putting you back on the map, you'd have had Paul Gasol as your yeah. build around guy and given up a whole lot more, and would have sucked for a long time. Alex says UNLV, the run in Rebels. <laughs> I don't, I don't see that one. Uh, was that I don't know the, the two year run? They won there. one that had Larry they Johnson got, and all yeah, those guys. Yeah, they had like uh, Kenny Anderson. Um, they I, that documentary. Anderson Hunt. I think, it was, I think it was on HBO. Stacy Ogman, Anderson Stacey Hunt. Ogman. Um, yeah. Did you hear that? Did, so I worked with a guy that was that worked with that team, mm-hmm. and they said that you know uh, Greg Anthony was the guy that gave back his scholarship because he was such a savvy businessman that he not only had a real estate license and was doing all these things, but the year before that that team went on the run, he created like this merchandising uh, deal for them with like commemorative coins and T-shirts and things. And because of it, because he was the mastermind behind all of it, at the start of the year, the starting five agreed that he would get a little bit more because he did all that. And right before the Duke game, Stacey Ogman basically confronted him and said, you don't deserve more and you need to give it back and whatever. And Anthony basically told him to go fly a kite. And he challenged Anthony and Anthony punched him out before the game. And if you look at that game, Stacey Ogman was a non-factor the entire game. And he's like, we'd have won back to back. We'd have won. We'd have been on a run. We might not have lost the game. I think that they won in year two. Because I think the first years they got beat by whichever Duke. year they lost, it was because he said because right before the game that they, there was a, a punch out in the locker room because of merchandise and 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 uh, money about about it. I think it was the second year because they like they hammered Duke. They beat them by like thirty, and like it was like a huge shock to everyone. No, you're right. It was uh, they won the first year and then they lost in the semifinal the next year. I got them. Flipped. I think it was so before it was the, the semifinal second. games. I think Evan, two. he said I think that's when the punch out happened. Okay, yeah, I was. Uh, I thought I, I for some reason I thought they lost in the final four and then uh, won that second year, but it was actually the other way around. Yeah, those were that was a fun team. Who like, the, was it? Tark sued the NCAA for uh, harassment and won and won the case against the NCAA. What kind of harassment? Like they were just for because of recruiting stuff. Oh, yeah, like they were, yeah. he won his case against the NCAA over. It was crazy. Fifty huh. ten on the uh, Derrick Rose thing. He says so. Deshaun Watson was Derrick Rose. Great call. That's a great call. That's the comparison we're looking for. Zero seven eight three says, "How about a rookie Tiger Woods?" Oh, man. So it involved knees there. in all three in both cases. <laughs> you guys are your guys are out there. Seven one zero nine. San Francisco lost to Baltimore in a Super Bowl five and one record. We were talking about like the Montana Young Niners, but mm-hmm. you're right. Technically, you're right. We were talking about the ones where Montana and Young during that little dynastic run. All right, seven one three seven eight zero ESPN. How would you power rank the three major pro Houston sports coach managers right now? You got Ime. You got D'Amico, you got Joe Espada, who holds a wine glass in a way that I've never seen a wine glass held, but apparently it's the proper way to do it. How would you rank those three Houston Pro Sports, big three, uh, manager coaches right now uh, that we have in this city? 713-780-3776. Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5. I'm often asked, how would you rank General Ben? You know the answer to that. It's the best. Great pleasure of mine to tell you about General Ben. At the top of that list is because I believe what I say. Gentle Ben is the best. The vodka, best in the state. Gin, best in the market. The bourbon, the double platinum winner at the prestigious Ascot Awards. General Ben, you 
uses their innovative, revolutionary technology that eliminates impurities for the cleanest, smoothest spirits you'll ever taste. It's clean. It eliminates the burn. Don't labor through your drink. Enjoy it. Savor it. You can do that with Gentle Ben. You'll love what's not in Gentle Ben, including gluten. Gentle Ben isn't going to brag about that one, though, like some people will. All spirits are naturally gluten-free. You can find Gentle Ben inside the Toyota Center. Stop by Ben's Bar on the way to your seat. Head to the tasting room in Alvin. Stop at your liquor store on the way home. Total Wine, Specs, many of the local stores. Pick up a bottle today. Ask for it at the bar. Ask for it at your restaurant, whichever one you're going to tonight as well. And then head to GentleBen.com. You can learn more about their incredible story, and you can just order straight from the website now. You can order the vodka, the gin, the bourbon right at GentleBen.com. Makes it easy. Have it delivered straight. Straight to your doorstep. It's crafted in Texas by Ricky Ford, A&M grad. Cheers to a new year filled with better choices. Time to get back to sports school with the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5. He's Blank. I am Branham. We are the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. So three majors, uh, pro sport teams in this city. You got the Astros, you got the Rockets, you got the Texans. Feel pretty good about all three. Uh, probably as good as you felt about all three in quite some time. Texans are in the playoffs. Rookie coach, rookie quarterback. Uh, Rockets took a little lump on this East Coast trip. But, uh, you know, first-year coach, young team that's moving in the right direction. And the Astros you know, still going to be a competitive team, right? Uh, we hope that's the case. Of those three coaches, managers here, you got Ime Adoka, you got D'Amico Ryans, you got Joe Espada. You're asked to power rank the three of those. How are you doing it? 713-780-ESPN, HRP listener line, 713-780-3776. Blankers, what would your order be for those three? One and two is tough for me. I just I go back and forth between like a resume and then just like the raw emotions and what we just got done talking about. Like how long of a run can you go on with D'Amico and the Texans? Because like at first blush, the quick answer to me is D'Amico, Adoka, and Espada. And when you look, when you start doing a little deeper dive, you got to remember like Udoka already went to a finals. Like he he had success in his first year head coaching with the Celtics. But I think that overall, you also factor in just on the field, off the field, everything with D'Amico, the fact that it looks like it's set up. You got your guy at quarterback. I would say right now it's D'Amico, one, Yudoka, two, and a spot of three. Okay, I have to go D'Amico at number one. Um, and I, I do agree that it's close, but I, I do have to reward the winning part of it. And I think, I think D'Amico's really good at a couple of things. I think he's really good at building a culture, and I think he's a good defensive play caller. Uh, not perfect because I think his roster is not right, but whenever he had a really good roster in San Francisco, they were number one uh, in defense in the NFL. But also it's the culture stuff. Like it, it's And, and Emei has these same qualities. I think Emei is really good at it too. But you can see the buy-in of this team. I think it's a big reason why they went from as few wins as they had last year to winning a division title this year is because of the buy-in. Now, C.J. Stroud's a huge part of that, too. But he gets the most out of his players. I was reading the um, the DJB Enemy article from last week, and he was he had quotes from Brevin Jordan. And he, he said that you know there was this one game in particular earlier this season where Brevin Jordan ran the wrong route and was just – 
you know, upset with himself, came off the field, madder than a hornet, just ticked off. And D'Amico's like, hey, you can keep your head in the game. We're going to need you. And then went right back to him the very next time that he was on the field. And, like, you know, little stuff like that. It's like, yeah, whatever, big deal. But Jordan talks about how much that means to players because it gets the buy-in. It, it, it gives you confidence in yourself because the coaches have confidence in you. And I think he may d- does the same does. thing, too, but just hasn't had the winning yet uh, that D'Amico has had. So I give D'Amico the slight edge with Ime, and I do think that you're right, that it's very tight, because Ime, I, I trust Ime as well. well I, I think uh, they're both culture guys. Yes, for sure. Yeah, I think that the one thing is, yeah, Udoka's won, but he didn't win here. And what De, and what D'Amico's doing True. is is winning here, and that's what the only thing that matters to the fans in this city, and the fact that in year one, Look, they were they both had big holes to climb out of, but the fact that it, it probably was a little deeper because I don't think we give enough credit to Udoka for the fact that he's almost he's going to eclipse the win total of last year. He's almost there at this point in the season, and that was something that is a massive win. But when you look at it and say, well, but the, the massive win is the fact that D'Amico not only won, he won the division, now he won a playoff game, now he's sitting going up against the one seed in the final four of the AFC, and also... They both build culture. D'Amico's also off the floor, not going to do anything like what's following Udoka that will follow him his whole career. Yeah, and then third for me is Espada, just because we don't know who he is. Like, I, I think that I think Espada is going to be a good manager. I, I think that he has the traits. I think that we've seen enough from him, like in the right-hand man, uh, the bench coach role, but we really have no idea what he's going to be like. We have no idea what his tendencies are, other than like that change in what was it, the ejection happened in Game Five uh, of the ALCS, which might not even have been Joe Espada. Like it could have been Dusty Baker sending messages up the dugout, up the tunnel that was was making that call. Maybe it was Joe Espada. Who knows? But we have no idea about his tendencies. We have no idea what he's going to be as like a, a manager in the clubhouse that can bring the most out of his players. Uh, I also would argue that a major baseball manager probably has like the least impact on a single game uh, certainly not as much as basketball certainly not as much as football True. Yeah. Uh, I think that a manager his best thing his best attribute a manager can be is like what he does in the clubhouse and bring out morale from from the team and I think that was a dusty strength uh, was his ability to, to do that I know he got criticized for his game management but dusty was a great manager because of how he handled a clubhouse what how was that gonna look for Joe Espada you know I have no idea I couldn't tell you we're, we're totally guessing whenever we're trying to uh, talk out uh, talk up the prowess and the success that Espada is gonna have or is not gonna have so because he's literally never managed a single game I can't have a spot above D'Amico and Ime, who I think are both good coaches. Now, if Steven Silas was here instead of Ime, I would have a spot just because he's a zero and not a negative over Silas. But D'Amico and Ime are not that. So where do you then put it if it was Dusty, not a spot Um, Does Dusty got you a World Series? He dug you yeah, out of a hole. I, still, I think I still have a third. Really? Yeah. I, I think that, man, I, I think because of the win and because of the way he went about it and because they got to another one, I think Dusty's probably ahead of Adoka just simply because of the fact that at a time when you didn't know if they were going to be able to keep this run going and where this team was headed and this organization headed coming out of the the scandal, the fact that they got two multiples and won another one, I think Dusty would be two. Yeah, see, it's resume prowess thing. You know, like, it's it's interesting because you had Emei one – 
based. Well, I mean, the resume his is winning beforehand, so like he kind of still has two. the resume. Oh, you had D'Amico. Yeah, yeah I had one? D'Amico one, and I said it's close, but I had I had D'Amico one and, and Ime two. So we both have, we have the same exact one. Yeah, uh, one, seven seven one six. Come on, guys, it's Ryan's. Joe, any different than our one two three that we have? No, I don't know how you have a different answer than that. I, I mean, maybe like the only thing we have with Espada is one managerial decision in the playoffs when Dusty got thrown out that worked out really well for him. But besides that, we have nothing to go on with Joe Espada, so he has to be third. Yeah. But that, and you also agree there's no way you could consider Adoka over, even though he's been to a finals. No, I think you could argue that. No, you can't. I think yeah, you, you can. There's a, there is an can. argument. Yeah, I think it's it's like I said. I think it's total resume versus Houston resume, and Houston resume is what everybody's going to focus and be dialed in on because we're in the middle of it. It's not over, and, and it's year one, and that's amazing. But I said when you're already going to eclipse last year's win total and you're not even halfway through the season or wherever the Rockets are, it's worth noting that, that that's pretty monumental too. The only thing about the, the Boston stuff is the biggest thing he accomplished was he got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown to play defense collectively, really for the first time. And, and the, that team is so much more talented just on paper than what the Rockets are. It's it's that balance of how much credit does Adoka get versus what he already had on his roster. I think in Boston, so I would still probably lean D'Amico uh, over Adoka, but it's it's a tight race. So I think we all agree we got the same three. Now, what, Joe? Would your list change if if you put Dusty in and took a spot out? No, because we don't ask what's wrong with Ime Adoka's lineup or what's wrong with uh, <laughs> D'Amico Ryan's lineup. We're going to be doing that with a, a spot though. I know, but Dusty started it for a reason. Yeah. What is wrong with? Is it what it sounds better? What's wrong with Joe's lineup or what's wrong with a spot's lineup? I mean, if you ask what's wrong with Joe's lineup, I know what a lot of the responses are going to be. Yeah, people are going to think that Joe George is picking the lineup. Connor and Beard are going to get crushed. That might be the fun part of it, though. I'm not. True. I'm not shy. I don't shy away from a little controversy. Maybe, or me. Maybe yeah. our, our pre-show tweets should have Joe's lineup for the day and then compare. <laughs> Seven, four, five, three. Ben Olsen fourth. We said the three majors, but yeah, Ben Olsen fourth. Dynamo. Yeah. Uh, Got to see if he can repeat the success, not just flash in the pan. Now, he has had success in his previous spot. Uh, in the MLS. DC? I think that's right. DC United. Uh, I have to double check that, but I do think that is right. No, no, Jer- Jeremy, I have, a, I have a question for you. For whatever okay? we had him on. Jeremy, you, you speak very glowingly about D'Amico Ryans. You love D'Amico Ryans, correct? I do. So what happens when I put Kelvin Sampson in? I was just thinking that, too. One. No doubt about it. I don't, I don't blame I was just all. curious. Yeah, Kelvin's one. So D'Amico, too. Yeah, I think, I think Kelvin Sampson would win the AFC South. <laughs> okay. Okay. I do. I know you do, and you should. You rightfully should. <laughs> I, I believe that. I believe in culture stuff, though. That's why. That's why I like about D'Amico because I, I do think that the culture's there. Like, look at look how, like I know that. Well, they're professional athletes. They play hard. All this stuff. Go look at how. Go look at the how the Eagles played yesterday, and then go look how the Colts played against the Browns. Like, look at the Eagles just kind of you know missing tackles and not giving effort and kind of lollygagging around the field. A lot of that game. A lot of that game. And then go watch the Houston Texans and how they blocked an interception. That's culture stuff. That's like guys wanting to play for you. Like the swarm stuff is like cute and oh, ha, ha, like a cliche. But then getting people to believe that and then actually do that, I think, is the art of coaching. Like we put way too much – I think we put way too much uh, stock in, in like offensive – like these offensive coordinators and these defensive coordinators. Well, you know, he, he had the top-ranked defense. He had the top-ranked offense. He's going to be a great head coach. 
I would be looking for the leaders. I would be looking for guys who can come in and change culture like D'Amico. I would be looking for the guys who every single person in that office, every single person on that practice field wants to be there, wants to play for that guy, and would run through a wall for that guy. Because it's cute to have, like, the top-ranked offensive mind. Like, you know, look, I mean, Josh McDaniels, and I'm not sure ever had the top-ranked offense in the NFL. But look at him as a head coach. He's lousy, and we see it year in, year out, that these top offensive minds, defensive minds, they have zero leadership you know, capability. Look at Brandon Staley with the Chargers. Look at these guys that get fired. They have zero leadership skills, and they get to these jobs and get fired within two to three years. Why? Because they don't have leadership skills. Go find a leader. Go find a leader. Go find a guy that's going to make your team run through a wall. D'Amico Ryans does that. I think Ime Adoka does that. He, they do. Can Joe Espada? We'll see. But but also, from the standpoint on just D'Amico alone, just look at a coach that runs down the sideline you know, following a, a pick six until they get to the end zone and almost beats the guy to the end zone. Go look at the guy that shows you the raw emotion that, that down the sideline when you know the game's over and you got the game. And then go look at the guy that, like you were mentioning, but you saw it right before your eyes. A guy makes a bad a bad play or a bad play happens. D'Amico's patting him on the helmet and, and basically he's telling him similar to what the story you brought up. But he's also, when the defense makes stops or the offense makes plays, he's the first guy out there to make sure that he is telling his team that they did a hell of a job. And that's what drives a lot of players. But that, it's beyond that. It's beyond that. Though, oh, because, I know it is, but I'm just because, saying... You don't see Belichick doing that. You don't see a. Uh, lo- I, I disagree. I don't, I don't see think, Belichick I don't think, running I don't up think, and down the sidelines. No, he's not running up and down the sidelines. But is he patting a guy on the behind when he walks over to the sideline? Yeah, probably. But so is Nick Sirianni. Like that's that stuff's see, cute. That's like the surface level stuff. It is. It's whenever you give either reinforcement. It could be positive. It could be negative. It doesn't matter if the reinforcement's positive or negative. It depends on if the message resonates. Yeah, I don't and see D'Amico's Belichick's message resonates. Bill Belichick's message resonates. It does. D'Amico Ryan's his message re- resonates. Amike or Amike, uh, Ime Adoka, his his message resonates. Does Nick Sirianni's? Absolutely not. No, I agree with that. But what I'm saying is on Belichick. Belichick's the kind of guy that kind of turns the other way when the negatives happen. But you, I, I'm sure there are times when he gives out you know some some credit during the sidelines. But guys will tell you it was excruciatingly hard to play for a Belichick because it's a constant grind and you really don't get that positive affirmation. When you get those kind of things from D'Amico on top of the fact that he changed the culture, that when you have the, the meetings and the, and the stuff we don't see, as a po- and, and on top of that, the locker room discussions we do see, it's real easy to figure out why guys want to play for him and guys love being on this team. Yeah, see, to me, you don't need that, though. It, 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 there's, there's more than one way to cook an egg. Right, yeah. like I think you can do it with positive reinforcement. I think you can do it with zero positive reinforcement. You just have to figure out a way as a coach to get that message to resonate and then get the return from the player as you try to pull the most out of them as you possibly can. And there's more than one ways to cook that egg. Uh, I've been impressed with how D'Amico does it, and I've been really impressed with how Ime Adoka does it. I hope that Joe Espada can do it uh, as well. Uh, 713-780-ESPN. HRMP listener line 713-780-3776. Car Wreck of the Day, presented by CarWreckTexas.com. What are you nominating for today's Car Wreck of the Day? It's the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and ESPN 92.5. Hey, another word for Daisy Dips. Look, we've got big games coming up on the horizon this weekend. You still have time. The weather's going to be great starting Thursday and Friday. Get out to your local grocery store. Get you some Daisy Dips. If you're having people over to the house to watch some games this weekend, you are going to be a champion no matter who wins the actual games themselves because people are going to say you're winning by serving Daisy Dips. Whether you use it for wings or pizza or the vegetable dips or you're using it for your favorite chips, 
Daisy dips are a game changer because people love the way they taste. They have a taste that's unique and always perfect on no matter what you put it on. And it's going to be fantastic and a great add to whatever kind of spread you're laying out before and during the games. People absolutely love it. And now you don't have to sit there and sit there in your kitchen and try and put the right recipe together and kind of mix up the sour cream with the spices and the soup mix. It's all done for you. Just go to your grocery store, ask where they serve, where they have the Daisy Dips, go get you some French onion and some ranch, and you're going to find out that it is a massive hit at any party, but especially a viewing party. Check them out today. Go to your grocery store and get you some Daisy Dips. This is the Car Wreck of the Day brought to you by CarWreckTexas.com. He's Blake. I'm Bradham. Car Wreck of the Day presented by CarWreckTexas.com. Get your nominees in 713 780 3776. Blankers, what you got? What are you nominating for our well, car wreck of the day? Isn't it? I mean, what we witnessed last night from a team that started the season 10-1, and it's the Philadelphia Eagles, and it's your favorite head coach, Nick Sirianni. It's it's everybody involved in the, in the Eagles. I think that you could start with Nick Sirianni. You can blame and point fingers at a lot of people because of the fact that this was just such an embarrassment. I don't think, I think this is the first time in the history of, of the NFL that a team started 10-1 and and didn't win the division. Got to double digits and didn't win the division. But you look at this and say, whether they change their head coach or not, what a complete and total embarrassment. You changed defensive coordinators three-quarters of the way through the year. You kept grasping at straws trying to find a solution for a team that had won 10 of its first 11 and lost six of its last seven and then got embarrassed on the road by Baker Mayfield in the Buccaneers. That's a car wreck. That's How do you not fire wreck. him? How is he already not fired? The only thing he's got in his back pocket, Jeremy, is he was in the Super Bowl last year. So what? And he lost both coordinators. So I don't know if that's a Howie Roseman and him and who got to decide and, and how the approval went on the, the, the coordinators. But swing and miss on the coordinators is one thing. But the fact of the matter is, if he got you a Super Bowl a year ago, it's hard to get rid of it. Yeah, see, I disagree with that. I, I never subscribe to the logic of what you've done in the past. Like, I couldn't care less what you've done in the past. I care about what I expect you to do in the future. And if I'm the Eagles' ownership, well, who gives me a better chance to win next year? The Jabroni, Nick Sirianni, Bill Belichick, who's arguably the greatest coach of all time, or Mike Vrabel. Sirianni's not even in the conversation with those three, even though he went to a Super Bowl last year. Uh, If I'm trying to win a Super Bowl next year, which I care way more about than winning a Super Bowl last year, going to a Super Bowl last year, I have a better chance with Belichick. I have a better chance with Vrabel. I have a better chance with Ben Johnson. I have a better chance with Bobby Slowick. If Nick Sirianni was in this coaching pool, he'd be 10th. There's no doubt. And like I'm saying, I'm just trying to tell you the re- when you said, is there any reason why, or when you asked the question, I think the reason why he wouldn't be fired would be because he was in the Super Bowl a year ago. But I think it's absolutely justified to fire him because I think it's what we talked about earlier. The fact is, if this was a tooth and nail game that went down to the wire and, and they ended up losing a hard-fought battle, you'd go, okay, well, you know what? They, they, they really played their tails off in that game. But the fact that the body language said that they quit like midway through the second quarter Tells you everything you need to know about the fact that he's lost the locker room. Yeah, I would have, uh, I would have fired him at the FBO. He might not have made the plane trip back to me. I would not employ that jabroni, and that jabroni doesn't have a better chance to to have success next year with the Eagles than a, any of these coaching candidates that are out there. Another coach that I'm going to nominate is Mike Tomlin. Mike Tomlin's a really good coach. We we know that he's never had a losing record in his coaching career. 
If you get asked that next year is the final year of your con, like, why are you walking out of that mid question? Like, you got to sit there and, and answer that. So he gets nominated, but so does the Pittsburgh Steeler PR. Because I wanted to go back and watch the context of that. Like, I was wondering if Tomlin was just getting peppered with those questions and question. he got fed up. It wasn't the first question. Well, I was, it, ESPN, it, wasn't the first, it was not the first question that he was asked at that press conference. I was uh, I, I, When I saw it this morning on Get Up, they Did said... Did you watch it, the whole press conference or just the clip? No, I'm just saying what ESPN said. It said that was, that was their reporter and that was the first question he was asked. That was might have been the first question she asked, but okay. he was asked questions about the game. So I was wondering if he was been if he had been peppered with a bunch of different questions that were the very like similar to that, and he got fed up with it because at that point, like, still don't really think that's a good thing to do. But at least I can understand it more. Mm-hmm. He was asked, you know, random NFL questions, and then the Pittsburgh Steelers media department they cut that from what they posted on their website and what they posted on their YouTube. Mm. They did not include that in what they posted. So that also gets nominated for the car wreck of the day, that you didn't include that. Everybody's talking about that. Everybody's posting it, and you're just going to chop it off of what you posted on your on your website and on your YouTube channel? That's, that's bushling. That gets nominated for car wreck of the day, too. Yeah, that's a bit shady. Like, I mean, everybody knows it happened, and now it looks worse that you're cutting it off. Well, we've also talked about the fact that when you get a guy that's in the final year of his deal or, when, or like in the Harbaugh situation, the way Harbaugh didn't want to answer it after the national championship game, reporters are doing their job. Everybody wants to know. They're going to ask it. Even if you, even if your PR department says don't ask, ask it, someone's asking it. The – Dre says it's Bush League to ask a question like that. I disagree. I think it's good to get the idea of what a coach is thinking. But at least Harbaugh answered the question and deflected. Like, that's all you got to do. Just deflect it. I'm not thinking about that right now. Okay, no one bats an eye. No one, you made it a bigger deal by walking away than just being, I'm not thinking about that right now. So it's you that, that magnified it. And I thought that was terrible by him, and it was terrible by Steelers PR to leave that off of the, the video. Ridiculous. Joe, what are you doing? I'm going to go back to the Eagles game. I'm going to nominate Matt Patricia. He was the worst offensive coordinator in the NFL last year, and he might have been the worst defensive coordinator in the NFL this year. That guy sucks. Don't you? I think Dan Quinn would like to have have have, have your ear for a quick second. I mean, just Dan because. Quinn has had what, one bad game. That's yeah. true. But Matt, Matt Patricia, the Eagles have been terrible, terrible since he took over. I know for some reason Nick Sirianni thought that was going to fix anything, but it, it's amazing that Matt Patricia has been one of the worst coaches in the NFL now on both sides of the ball in back to back years. <laughs> but he's, but he's honestly, though, one of the backstories that I heard was part of that was to go back to Jeremy's guy Sirianni deserving more blame. He made the move, but wouldn't let Patricia like make changes to the defensive staff that he said were necessary to really do what he wanted to do. Now, you can believe that or not believe that, but Matt Patricia has at least had some success in this league, but that defense was too good to be that bad. Jay Marsh says that Vrabel's overrated. Don't know why everyone's in love with him. I, I actually do agree with that, but he's better than the jabroni Nick Sirianni. You think he's that. overrated? I think he's a little overrated. Yeah. I, he's, I think he's done a really good job. I was not the last had, two and a half years. He's been lousy the last two and a half years. A lot of it too is if you're you know fighting with your general manager over personnel. Maybe, maybe. All right, does it for us? What's winning here, Sirianni, the jabroni? Yeah. Any association to the Eagles wins. All right, any association to the Eagles, especially that jabroni, Nick Sirianni. All right, does it for us? Thanks to Joe for the hard work. He's blank. I'm Brandon. We'll talk to you tomorrow from the decoy. The Bullpen with Joe George up next on ESPN 97.5, ESPN 92.5.